Let's go to the phone lines now. Joined by our good buddy Pete Shad here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Peter. It's been too long. How the hell are you? No kidding. It's time to get this bloody band back together. We're here. So there you go. We could... Very astute points. I think Jason just made a very good point about the weather. They don't want uh, swirling, howling wind in this game the way they're going, but you definitely want the cold, so I agree on that front. Yeah, it's one of the sort of most misconstrued narratives going into this is that you know everyone seems to think that all these Canadian players grew up on the frozen tundra playing <laughs> with pants underneath their shorts and gloves of, on. Like, it, it, not no, they, they wouldn't have because they're tough. Right, right but, the, but none of that is very accurate. There's a handful of guys that have, make no mistake. In fact, I believe Jonathan Osorio uh, played in the coldest ever game in North American soccer history. It was that snowstorm in Colorado when he played for TFC. So there's some experience there. But the reality is it's going to be about Canada arriving a week to 10 days early to get acclimated. And then a Costa Rican team, which I believe showed up yesterday and is going to have all of one training session in the cold. That might end up being the difference here when it comes to weather. Well, and also the support and Edmonton has been an excellent host. You alluded to the 2015. How about going all the way back to 20 or 2002 when the U19s were playing their championship there, and right. there were 60,000 people watching 19-year-old, 18, 19-year-old girls, which was one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen. So the backing that they're going to get, and I bet they're going to get that final walk-up push to sell this out because not just Alfonso Davies returning home, but just how exhilarating this team has played. Like, I never thought in my life I would see a performance like the one against Panama at BMO Field in Toronto where it was just relentless wave after wave four one in the end probably flattered Panama even though they sort of steadied the ship a couple of times in that game it was exhilarating to watch and as you know guys I, I've I've always been insatiably curious about Canada and CONCACAF because it's so unique and uh, I've talked to a lot of goalkeepers and they've always said the same thing when they've suited up for Canada you were always one mistake away from losing your team a chance uh, of advancing right. or winning that game. And now now the goalkeepers are in this luxurious position of, uh, at times, being able to make a critical error at a time in a game and not be punished for it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the game, and these weren't critical errors, but the games in the U.S. and Mexico where Canada rallied from one-goal deficits to get draws, those were the two most telling moments of the qualification so far for they me. surrendered the first goal to Honduras at home, too. Yeah, and Honduras mm. is a bit more of a minnow. But the, the fact that they were able to come back and put up those results, I think, is huge. Now, uh, I want to focus on this Costa Rican side a little bit here because we spent the majority of the time talking about Canada, Alfonso Davies going back to Edmonton, the cold. It's all focused around Canada. Costa Rica traditionally, has been a team that is very, very difficult to topple in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. I believe they qualified for two of the last four or five, five to the mm -hmm. point where they're a team that you always have to be concerned about and take into contention. And this cycle, what they've been able to do is be incredibly tight defensively and just kind of keep themselves in matches all the time. If they lose, it's 1-0. They've had a couple scoreless draws, and even the games that they win, they're very tight, low-scoring affairs. Now, I will say this. I think that a big dent has been put in that approach because the best player on the team to me is Kaylor Navas, the goalie for PSG. Mm -hmm. He's got an elbow injury. He won't be there. So all these things are kind of pointing towards maybe – Costa Rica coming in, not being as comfortable given the surroundings, and then not having the backbone of what is the strength of their team, and that is keeping the ball out of their net. 
Yeah, and I look back at the Gold Cup game, uh, and there was another example of, of how the two nations have kind of gone in different directions. And, right. You know, you're right. Uh, I mean, they had, I, I'm trying to remember, the 2014 World Cup was incredible for them. Uh, even 2018, uh, if I recall correctly, you know, they made some noise, but they, they're now, it's all about cycles and uh, regenerating those cycles. And this is where Canada has taken leaps and bounds uh, incredibly in just such a short period of time. And, and, and players are declaring for Canada that we weren't sure, you know, who they were or whether they would or not. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're saying, no, I'd rather play with, with Canada. Ike Ugbo is the, the latest example. So I... I think this is a game that Canada just has to look at. They must win this game. In the context of qualifying for Qatar, this is the game they must win because it gives them a little bit of momentum going into the Mexico game, which I also think, uh, under the context of playing in Edmonton, uh, I think they have the best chance that they'll ever have of beating Mexico in World Cup qualifying. Mexico, by the way, playing the States at, at uh, USA. So if the, the Americans win that game and Canada wins that game, it's going to be 14-14-13, Canada in third. And as much as they can, they want to distance themselves from that fourth place position. And in some circumstances, by the end of this international window, they could actually be in top spot if things go their way. So this is the game tonight. And, you know, we've had must wins before in the later stages of rounds. I don't know if we've ever been, you know, this early needing a must win. They win this game here tonight. And boy, it will give them a huge, huge boost and momentum heading into Mexico and heading into the, the final stages of this round. Is there any risk for John Herdman that his side is looking ahead to the Mexico game on Tuesday? Because I think you make a really good point. In some ways, you could argue that tonight's game is the most important because you need to win these games. They, they mm-hmm. already kind of, you know, the Honduras game that we mentioned, their first game, they should have won that. They, they might have they maybe should have won the Jamaica game, but I more look at the Honduras game because that was a home game and against the teams that aren't you know the US or, or Mexico, when those games are at home, if you want to qualify, if you want to be in the top three or the top four, then you need to win those games. Yeah and and I go back to 2014 and so many people made just a mountain out of the eight one loss in San Pedro Sula. but if you really go back and look at that round more closely, they drew Honduras at BMO Field and missed a glorious header in the very late stages of the game. I think it was Kevin McKenna. If he puts that in the in the goal and they win that game, then the game in Honduras wouldn't have mattered in the end, which is what you must take advantage of your home games, especially in CONCACAF, because it is so difficult to get results at Honduras, even at El Salvador. We saw how hard it was to just get any space at all in Jamaica, and the only time in my life that I've ever seen a Canada team go to the Azteca and not just compete, but probably at the end of the game, you would have gone, geez, you know, if things had gone just a little bit better, we, we could have even won that game. And when the Mexican media are saying, who the heck is this Canadian team? This is a good team. This is the best anybody's ever played against us in the Azteca. You know, you've got a team that is on the brink of something special and it's time for some validation. And I, I think they, they certainly got validation against Panama, and that was without some of their key players, Milan Borjan and Kyle Lahren, just to name a couple, Atiba Hutchinson. And they'll have those players here in this game tonight. And I just think for the program and for this group as a whole, they need to prove to themselves that they can get not just results, but that they can get really dominant performances 
when it matters. And I think they have the makeup now. I think they have the personnel to be able to do that. And again, I don't think they're going to look past Costa Rica by any means, uh, because as you mentioned, Jason, I think they do realize that you don't get three points here, then you're chasing three points against Mexico, and you don't want to be in that position. We're speaking to Pete Shad here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, previewing tonight's Canada-Costa Rica World Cup qualifier from Edmonton. Kickoff is at 6 o'clock. A reminder, you can watch it on Sportsnet tonight. Uh, Pete, now the really interesting wrinkle for me here is there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of expectation, and a lot of that is because of John Herdman's doing. He has spent an incredible amount of time talking up the significance of this match, why they wanted to go to Edmonton, why they wanted to engage in the dark arts of CONCACAF and make it as difficult as possible for a visitor, as opposed to that happening to Canada. The other side of this for Herdman is there's an incredible amount of pressure on him to get it right because he's got maybe the deepest squad of this cycle so far in terms of guys available for selection. And I'm curious what you think he might do, especially in this match, because I've seen a lot of people saying, Jonathan David plays best when he's got someone to play off of. So put mm-hmm. Kyle Laren in the lineup and put a 3-5-2 and have a, a striker, a more classic number nine for David to play off. But I do wonder if Herdman might have shown his hand a little bit because he said that the Laren situation, what with him missing the last cycle, maybe not being 100% fit, has caused a bit of a headache. I know we're asking a lot here in terms of projected lineups and everything and what pressure is on the manager, but uh, what do you think this might look like? How do you think it might unfold for Canada tonight against Costa Rica? Well, you also have to look at who's uh, carrying a hot hand at the moment, and uh, I I don't think there's going to be any debate that Alfonso Davies plays in a more attacking setup just because it causes so many more problems. And if you're going to do that, you're going to do it in Edmonton where he's going to have 50,000 people that kind of, claim him as one of their own uh, and I also think that Tejan Buchanan's progress and his the, the nick he's in right now it would be almost impossible to leave him out of that lineup but Jonathan David has had a tough time in the Canadian lineup let's be honest he, he hasn't been as prolific as I think many people have thought so the Laren David part is is an intriguing one for me yep. uh, Eustachio and Wotherspoon I think a pretty uh, safe bets to be honest with you, when I look at the lineup, um, my biggest question is it would be very hard on Max Crapeau to not be the starting goalkeeper tonight. Uh, that was my next question. That was my yeah, next question. I'm, I'm sorry to jump ahead on you, but, oh. uh, you know, Milan Borean comes back into it. And I just uh, I, I just think, man, he w- he has been exceptional. And by all accounts, I, I heard he's been fantastic for the Whitecaps. And then just getting back to what you said about John Herbman, it's also a very interesting point because – uh, and you guys talked right off the top of the show about the Olympic women's team. Beth Friesman, from the very beginning, when she stepped in, she says, "We're changing the color of this. We're changing the color of this medal." And they and they were saying that as far back as the She Believes Cup. And what impressed me the most about that team of all the aspects wasn't just winning it; it was the mental fortitude of that group. And there was clearly uh, an element of class to the play that has been influenced by the high level of European competition. Some of these young women are now facing, but the mental aspect of what they accomplished was absolutely like out of this world. I, I, I couldn't believe that the amount of time they had to come from behind mm. or in penalty shootouts, it looked lost in the final. Um, and they overcame that. And, and that's kind of a little bit out of Bev Priestman's book, but also John Herdman is a big, big, believer in the mental side of the game and I think it's important at this stage that they do say do you know what guys we need to 
aim higher and expect more of ourselves because we have the group that can do it. Uh, Pete, before we let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that your beloved Aston Villa have a new gaffer, and it is Steven Gerrard. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one. I have read a lot about this, mostly from angry Rangers fans, but also mm. from optimistic How many people Villa listening supporters? to the show understood anything you just said? Who right cares? <laughs> have we ever been about the ratings? Numbers say no. Pete, tell me about – I want to know. I want to know how you feel about this. Well, first of all, there is a huge Rangers supporters presence in Vancouver. I know. It, uh, it can, it, and they have a worldwide fan base that is, is impressive. So it's a big club. But first of all, I was extremely disappointed in how Dean Smith at Aston Villa was disposed of. Mm. And I have said myself that I think this is as much a marketing move in many cases to appease uh, uh, the largest fan demographic of the club and the largest demographic of people on the planet right now with a younger guy who is a legend and who brings a jolt of energy and excitement and optimism to the team. But this, this, this Aston Villa team was decimated by injuries. They lost Jack Grealish, never replaced mm-hmm. him properly. And I just don't like how football can dispose of people. And I think Dean Smith should have been given more time. The, the, brass tacks of it all is Steven Gerrard has coached three years yeah and he won a title and he was on his way and it looked like he was and he was heavily backed by the board at Rangers and so that's not what everybody in the Scottish Premier League gets but he took full advantage got them a title and I guess what happened was Christian Perslow the CEO knows Gerrard from the Liverpool days and says if I don't pounce now and act now somebody else because there's a lot of vacancies occurring it's that time of year I, I want to pounce now and make this move, uh, and they did. And it's not just Gerard; it's his whole backroom staff, which is a big part of the equation. He's very much the figurehead, but he's a good leader. And, and either you're going to get a very, very accomplished uh, player who's become a very good leader as a coach, or it's going to fall to pieces. <laughs> I can't wait to see, but it certainly has been a big, big story in the UK. There's no question. Yeah. Or you're going to get Frank Lampard at Chelsea. And by the way, you see, <laughs> Frank Lampard now is in the running for the Norwich job with yes. Dean, Smith, Dean Smith, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So the cycle of life. What What are you looking at, Dom? I'm having fun right now, okay? Let me have my fun. Uh, Pete, this has been great, man. It was awesome. Pete, one more question about Brentford. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I do love the bees. <laughs> they lost is there a Nor- recent form concerning... <laughs> They lost to Norwich, and then Norwich sacked the manager right after that. First win of the year. Okay. Are, is, yeah. Have we lost all the listeners? Don't even care. We okay, lost Pete, all of them? Pete I, Pete, I love this. I love you, buddy. It was great getting to talk to you again. Enjoy the match tonight. Enjoy the next one on Tuesday. It should be a lot of fun. I can't wait, and uh, I love talking with you guys, as you know, so anytime.